You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Ask the Expert segment for November of 2018. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is David Morgan. David is an internationally recognized expert on the precious metals, particularly in silver, where he's focused a lot of his efforts for couple of decades now. He is the editor of the Morgan Report, and you can find that service at the website, themorganreport.com, and encourage you to check that out. David, thank you for spending some time with us this month. Well, Craig, thank you very much for inviting me, and just one add-on to the introduction. Uh, The Morgan Report has basically a lot of free information on the blog, so that's available for everyone, and I do a lot of, you know, free interviews. So if you want to get everything that we do on a weekly basis. If you just give us a first name and an email, you'll be on our free Morgan Report list and we'll send you basically everything that we do for free. Free. I like that. I think a lot of people like free, right? That's very good. Thank you for adding that. I appreciate it. And uh, before we get started, too, I mentioned this is November, for crying out loud. I don't know where the time goes. So you know what that means, David. Everybody needs to get a shop on, uh, get a jump on their holiday shopping uh, it's time, and Sprott Money's holiday catalog is now finally out. This is about the best catalog we put out all year. It's a collection we hope inspires some gift ideas. From the beginning collector to the discerning investor, there's something for everybody. So please, check out SprottMoney.com, and you will find the holiday catalog there. All right, David, we've been collecting questions for you all month long via email and Twitter. Uh, I've condensed those questions down to a list of seven And I've got the first one right here for you. Ready to get started? You bet. I sure am. All right, my friend. I thought this was kind of a fun one to come out of the shoot with. It's been a, uh, as everybody knows, pretty challenging now, like going on six years in silver. After we bottomed out in December of 2015, we had a nice rally. And now all of a sudden prices are right back down near those December 2015 lows. So the question then is, if silver was an equity, a stock, uh, and you could put in a stop-loss order on it, where would you put that order and why? Well, I'd put it at 15%. And why? I mean, you have to have discipline in investing. I mean, if you subscribe to the premium service, the first thing that you should do, and we recommend highly, is that you read the How to Use the Morgan Report. And I go through almost every question we've gotten over many years and made it basically like an FAQ. And one of the questions is, you know, how much do I put in the physical metal? How much do I put in gold? How much do I put in silver? How much do I put in equities? How much do I put in your top tier, your mid tier, your speculative companies, you know, and on and on and on. How much do you put in a portfolio of metals? And so I go through all of that from top to bottom. I give examples as far as, you know, like a monetary breakdown. If you have a million dollar portfolio and you put 10% of that, which is our basic recommendation into the metals header, that would be 100000 So of that 100000 where would it go? Well, if you're very conservative, half would go to physical metal, and the other half would go on the equity side. And then the equity side, how would you break that down? Coming back to the 15%, because you have to be disciplined and unemotional. You have to be objective. So I don't care if I'm trading soybeans or I'm trading uh, a mining company or whatever. I put a stop loss of 15%. Now, on the speculative side, just to be consistent, because I know there are people that pay me and are premium members, on the speculations, I let them run about 25%. Why? Well, Craig, you and I both know the answer before I give it. 
those little penny micro cap stocks can move 20% in a day with a little bit more buying or a little bit more selling. So you got to be a little bit careful on those. But, you, you know, I don't want to see anyone get wiped out on anything. So that would be that would be it. Uh, well, I did want to add on because I did see the question slightly before the program. The other thing is, you know, I wrote the 10 rules of silver investing. Everyone that's uh, a beginning investor, an intermediate investor, or an advanced investor should actually look at those rules every once in a while, once a year or whatever, and remind themselves. The other part of that question, which wasn't answered or excuse me, asked is, if you were going to dollar cost average into silver, then you probably wouldn't have a stop loss. But if you said, I'm in, I'm at this point, you got to you gotta make that decision. That's your decision. You've got to run with it. I'd say 15%. I'm going to guess, David, that to the guy was, who, or gal, whoever submitted the question, was thinking that if price were to start making new lows versus December 2015, is there a point there where you would be like, oh, boy. Uh, I mean, would it be 15% below the 1365 lows or, you know, something closer to 12? I mean, what, is, have, you, have you thought about that? Yeah, I have. I thought about, you know, the 1365 is the exact number as you know. And I've been uh, pretty mouthy. I mean, I'm pretty opinionated, but I never give inaccurate information at the time. I'm just asking, answering a question. You know, do you think the low is in? And I've answered that question, yes, several times. But the low is 1365. So if we blow through that to the downside, which we're only, what, 35 cents away from that as of what we traded intraday yesterday, you know, it's getting very close. Yeah. If it were to do that, I mean, for me personally, I, you know, own the silver. I mean, I started at below five. Um, you know, 14 was like my buy limit. Uh, have I bought above that limit? Yes, I have. Um, but for me personally, no, I mean, for someone getting in, it depends how you get in, you know, what people forget and it's in this set of questions later on is we're looking at a hedge position. We're looking at 10% of your total portfolio. So if you're obsessed about the gold silver markets or the precious metals at all for either the physical side, the equity side, the ETF side, the future side, I don't care. And it's draining you then you either have too much invested or you don't understand the purpose of owning the metals. I'd say that's an excellent point, David. That's something that we all forget. That's for sure. Uh, let me move on to question number two. Uh, you know, it seems as though silver, what well, doesn't seem as though, silver obviously has lost its place as a monetary metal over the last several decades. And it trades mainly as a commodity these days, or at least it's perceived as being a commodity. Uh, there's going to be a recession again at some point. The business cycle has not been completely done away with. And so in that next recession, will silver continue to perform as a commodity and thus be priced, you know, via, you know, like less demand, industrial demand? Or do you think it might begin to regain its place as a monetary metal? Great question. Here's my answer. Sounds like uh, both sides of my mouth probably is. Absolutely will act as a commodity only during the initial parts of the recession. If and only if gold were to start to move up during a recession slash depression. And let me pause there and say the best work on the gold market, in my view, still remains to be Professor Roy S. Jastrom that wrote The Golden Constant. That proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that gold does best in a depression, not in an inflation. If gold were to take on that role because of uncertainty and government failures, currency failures, currency wars, trade war escalates, and everything else, then 
gold being the leader moving up in real terms, silver would go along with it. So yeah. what I'm saying is unless gold moves up during the depressionary type of conditions, I wouldn't see silver doing the same. Okay. All right, question number three. I, I think this is an interesting, interesting one. We heard this a lot about Bitcoin last year, and now we're getting it with the uh, marijuana stocks, it seems. Um, very highly speculative investments, such as the marijuana stocks or cryptocurrencies, continue to grab the headlines for the big moves that they've had. Uh, is this, do you think, drawing away demand and interest from the precious metals? Absolutely. And I'm not one I like, you know, I don't like to use the manipulation card that often. You know, I wrote a whole chapter in a book about it. I know there is manipulation. I explain it and all that. But what I probably was slow to come to terms with is just how much influence the crypto market and the marijuana market had on the highly speculative, we'll call them high beta trader types. In other words, people that like me, especially in my youth, that were highly aggressive um, very, uh, they didn't have any aversion to risk whatsoever. I mean, there's the guys like me that will jump out of an airplane and, you know, do scuba diving. And, you know, I mean, just, they call me dangerous Dave in those days. I mean, I think you get the picture, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd win a Lexus one, one week trading and lose it back the next. I mean, that kind of an attitude. So there are those kind of people, especially a lot of beginning investors that don't know any better. They don't even know they're doing it for a while. Some of them. So my point is, yes. I think there's been a lot, especially on the silver side, Craig, because silver investors generally have a different perspective than gold investors. Usually silver investors are a little more greedy on the upside. They're a little more easy to complain on the downside, and they're always looking for fast. You know, I want it now. I want it right now. I want it immediately. There's a lot of that in, in the silver sector. So Upon reflection and better study and more data, I think actually that the cryptos and the uh, marijuana stocks did have a fairly significant impact into the sector, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, uh, let's move on to question four. We're almost already almost halfway done, David. Jeez, time just flies when you're having fun, my friend. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it seems as if we've had some fits and starts of a stock market collapse back in October. Some of that is carrying on here in November. If a stock market crash uh, does in fact develop, do you think mining stocks will, cr- I mean, they've already fallen so far. Do you think they'll crash too? Uh, that's part one. And then part two is you mentioned earlier that you know, the roughly 10% allocation to precious metals. When would a greater than 10% precious metal allocation be be prudent uh, for someone to consider? Okay, if a stock market crash develops, and I'm going to emphasize the word crash, will the mining shares go down? The answer is yes. Will they go down much? Well, if you look at the inflation-adjusted mining share index done by Barron's and others, it's at a 70-year low, 70-year low. So how much lower can they go? So someone, let's say that's a seasoned investor that doesn't worry about the wiggles and the squiggles too much, that bought in a percentage here of, let's say, 10%, I would recommend just holding on. Even if there was a big crash in the market, Gold, silver, mining equities probably would go down for a very short time, and there would be this lag before the first thing to pop up would be gold. And then following that would be the gold equities and and the resource sector. As far as adding to more than 10%, I would say yes. I changed the 10th rule of the 10 rules of silver investing to 20% allocation 
during the first war with Iraq under the Bush administration. And I said, during this time, I see it's more important, you know, silver is a war of, excuse me, silver is a metal of war. And I see higher demand for lots of reasons and uncertainty being the primary one. So same thing here. And I would go back to the previous question about gold in a, in a deflation. I would wait for gold to signal. And what most amateur investors don't understand is it's always best to let the trend develop and then get on board. You know, once that train is moving, you know, if you can run fast and get on there as it's moving and just leaving the station, you don't want to be sitting there all day long, day after day <laughs> after day, going, when is this thing going to move? I yeah. mean, the best thing is to let those people that paid first class stay in first class and let them start rolling down the road and just get on. But as long as I've been here doing what I do, showing what I show, teaching what I teach, and giving the absolute best I have, even my own people, will, you know, beat me up at times and say, well, you missed the bottom, David. And I wrote back, or I did a, you know, video for all paid members and said, if you want to pick a bottom, go ahead. But I don't. I have a certain set of rules that I go by, and this is where I would get in long on either gold or silver. I just did this a few days, Craig. And you know what? This guy that was, and I feel for him. I mean, he's been with me a long time. He's very upset. But he's not upset, you know, he's upset at me, but he shouldn't be. He'd be upset at himself because I never put a trade on long. I've got one if it triggers, but it hasn't. So what I do is protect the downside. In other words, if it doesn't come through 15, as an example, I'm not going long, okay? That's just an example. That might not be my exact number. But if it goes down to 12 in the interim, I haven't been hurt. Right. But if I try to pick the bottom at 13 and it goes to 12, I might get wiped out. And this guy had multiple contracts. And from where he wrote me his email to where it is now, he might have gotten a margin call. I mean, he may be out of the game. I don't know. And I, I don't wish ill on anybody. Believe me, I've been there. I've been, you know, I earned my knowledge the hard way. I paid for it. And I didn't get as good at it as I am. And I'm not perfect, but, you know, Craig, you know me. I mean, I don't make a lot of mistakes in the futures markets or in the ETFs or any of my leverage positions, but that's not my primary purpose. My primary purpose is to hedge with about a 10% and buy and hold long-term outlook. I do the trading because there's such a demand for it. And when I do it, I show people how I do it. David, I want to move on to question number five. This is something that I've been writing about for months. Uh, I know uh, David Brady here at Sprott Money has been writing about it a lot as well. The question was mainly, have you noticed this as well? And this being the, the, the impact, it seems, of just simply the yuan, Chinese yuan, U.S. dollar exchange rate on gold prices. It's been rather prevalent for about maybe at least six months now. Uh, the question is mainly, have you noticed it and what do you think of it? I have noticed it. Uh, thanks to you. And then I've, I've also, and I don't subscribe to a lot of newsletters. I do have input, obviously. I need to. I like to keep my thinking not isolated, but kind of free of distractions if I can. Right. But Jim Rickards has also pointed it out recently, by the way. I know you were ahead of him, and so let me give you credit. But, you know, let me start off on the big picture, and I'm going to let you paint, paint in the, the rest. You know, I was sitting in Vancouver doing a workshop about two years ago, maybe three, Mike Maloney and many others were in the audience. And I made this statement. I said, if the whole financial system is built upon what we understand to be the present value of money, 
In other words, a dollar is a dollar as defined, or a one is a one or whatever. And the interest rate is manipulated, which means the price of money is not determined by the free market. Then by edict, everything is manipulated. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Because if the price of money can't be determined in a free market, nothing can. Which, uh, let me expand a little bit further, which means, as we both know, Craig, and a lot of people still don't seem to understand how pervasive, how prevalent all of this trading is now. It's computer against computers, algorithm against algorithm. They're fighting back and forth, blah, 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 blah. And this stuff has absolutely nothing whatsoever at all to do with the physical economy. Right. So I'd like you to go ahead and expand on the one-dollar relationship because it's uh, the way that uh, equates the gold prices is, is, is way beyond a random yeah, I, the, the thing I would add is, yeah, anybody can see it. Yeah, you, you can't, for the regular person listening, you can't look at the way it's usually quoted, which is USD, CNY, or CNH, and plot it with gold. You have to invert that chart and make it CNY, USD, and then you can plot it with gold, and anybody can see this with their own two eyes. Uh, why it's happening, I suppose, is open uh, to speculation, and uh, we probably don't have time to answer that now. But if anything, as you said, David... It is an absolute reflection of the prevalence and dominance of computer trading that one set of computers moves that Forex rate and a totally different set of computers are programmed to then buy or sell Comex digital gold on uh, on the Comex based upon changes to that exchange rate. All of that having zero to do with actual physical supply and demand of gold. Which again kind of shines a light on what a you know fraud and a sham this futures derived price is. So anyway, how'd I do? You kind of interviewed me on that one, David. Did that okay? Did you, can you live with that? Well, you did a great job. Oh gosh, thanks. I'd also like to just maybe make a comment, and that is the whole purpose of gold, really, as money, is stability. You know, an ounce yeah, of gold, yeah. as I've said too many times, its mass is the same anywhere in the universe. So think about that. That's a constant. Going back to Joy, you know, Professor Jastrom, the golden constant. So it's not gold that changes. What got, it gets people so upset about gold is that the paper price of it moves. But going back to this relationship with the dollar yuan versus gold, this is a de facto steadying out or uh, consistent stability that's being performed here, which is interesting. You know, it asks, mm-hmm. it kind of begs the question, why? Is it something that would be something that would continue? Because, you know, what people want is stability. What drives markets is instability. So when the instability happens with the stock market crash or, you know, some financial institution having problems and Deutsche Bank finally bites the big one or whatever's out in our future financially, Gold is going to react to that, and it would be interesting to see, does the relationship with the dollar yuan gold stay the same? And the answer, it could. Yeah. All right, David, just two more quick questions for you. Um, the first of which is uh, has to do with Canada and their official gold reserves, which, as most Canadian citizens know, are down to a whopping total of, I think, zero. <laughs> which Now, they've got uh, gold they can mine, of course, but the official reserves... Are at zero. So, uh, what do you think would be the impact on the Canadian dollar if gold is ever remonetized in any way? I think it hurt it greatly. I'd also say that um, if we were to remonetize 
gold. I think it'd be more internationally as a world currency or a global currency, or at least a euro uh, versus an Amero versus a, I forget the term for the Asian countries. I don't know. There's been so many things floated out. I've studied them all. And my memory isn't the best, but uh, for now to get right to the question, that would be devastating. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. That's and again, I, I obviously the uh, Canada is a, a country full of folks that understand sound money and appreciate uh, precious metals in the resource sector. Uh, gosh, uh, if you if you're a Canadian citizen, all the more reason to open account and sprout money and keep adding to your stack. No doubt about that. And lastly, David, uh, our, our final question. Uh, for this uh, this month's Ask the Expert. Uh, and this is, I guess, gets to the manipulation aspect. I'd, I'll let you decipher it. And the questions that came in was, you've mentioned before that they, in quotation marks, could keep precious metals prices down for the next 20 years. Who are they? And why would they do this? Okay, well, I'm going to reframe the question. I don't recall seeing 20 years. I do recall... Uh, making a premise upon a premise upon a presupposition, and none of these can be proved. In fact, I just did an update for my paid members, my premium members, about this topic, and I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to get out in the public domain too far and cause, you know, a personality situation because certain analysts have, you know, very ardent followers and they're very loyal and, you know, some of this stuff can't be proved. So I'm going to go on a premise that a major investment bank owns a great deal of physical silver. And what I said is that it was good for probably seven years. And the reason I use seven years is this. During 1990 to 2006, there was an average deficit of 100 million ounces per year that had to be eaten up from the above ground supply. So if this entity that's purported to own 700 million ounces fed a deficit that was as big as we had in the 1990 to 2006 time frame, that would equal seven years. That's what I said. Why would they do this? Great question. It gets to intent. And the answer is, I really don't know. But based upon what we do believe, all of us, I think, it's always profit. So if you could profit just as much or more from the short side and cap any physical demand with a great quantity of silver that you owned outright, why would you go long? Right. Or why not? I don't know. But that is why. Because they make money on either side of the market. Most non-professionals, and so we're talking like 80% of the market in any market, stocks, options, ETFs, futures, options on futures, private equity. I mean, very few are willing to even go short or even know how to go short. So the short sellers are usually the, the pros, the pros of the pros. And they're very willing because the quote unquote dumb public doesn't know what they're doing. So they're actually geared to have a pre-built ideal to go short on almost anything because they're good at it and it's an easy trade for them. So that's my point. I think I'll state it again, Craig. Why would they do it? Profit. If they had the metal, what could they do? Any actual physical demand that was really ripping it 
if they had that much, which I doubt, by the way, and I did that uh, for my premium members, if you're interested, um, they could cap it with physical. That's my point. Yeah. All right, David, thank you very much. I, this is tremendously informative, and I'm sure everyone has uh, really enjoyed listening and has learned a lot. Uh, to that end, before we go, I want to point out something the Sprott Money is doing uh, in terms of being informative and helping people learn a lot. Sprott Money is going to be hosting an RSP Lunch and Learn on Wednesday, November 28th. You can register for this event uh, on something called Eventbrite after November 14th, which is... Uh, coming up as we record this tomorrow. You can also just simply call us at 888-861-0775 if you want to be a part of this RSP's RSP being like an IRA up in Canada. And uh, this would be a great way to learn more about that and how you can invest in precious metals as well. Uh, David, thank you so much. Again, very informative. Always appreciate your perspective. And uh, again, uh, the Morgan Report is a great place for people to go and check out and learn more about silver. David, thanks so much for your time. Craig, if I might just add a little bit more at the very end. Sure. You know, the last question was a pretty tough one, and it sounded pretty negative, but I'm telling you exactly the truth. I also want to point out that silver is a pathetically small market. So, you know, I'm looking for gold to make a breakout probably next year, and if gold goes and does its job, which it always has in all of recorded history, monetary history, Silver will absolutely go as well. It's just we're, I think, at a low, and maybe we'll make a new one, as we stated earlier in, your, in the program. But uh, I have not given up. Just because of this purported amount held by a major bank, yada, 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 doesn't change the fundamental fact that silver is a pathetically small market. Any increase in awareness uh, and uncertainty in the financial markets at large globally. And it's a global system with an internet. A lot of people are informed. You see, you could see a lot of that crypto money, the marijuana stocks, and everything else you can think of. Uh, people that are out of the equities or moving out of the equities, moving into gold. And silver is a much smaller market than gold. So I still think that we have a great deal of bright side ahead of us. I know we're doing this at probably one of the lower points this whole year for the silver price. And I'm not doing it because I'm stubborn. But again, to repeat, what I teach is about hedging the system, which means you don't need to own just precious metals. You need to own some. But if you're overweighted, then that's kind of on you. And the last thing I want to do, Craig, for your listeners, because, you know, I know you've been, you know, one of the best in my view, only state objective too. you know, is I have a special website that I give out very, very seldom. But my premium members, the people that pay us, can ask me two questions every month, and I guarantee that they'll get an answer. For your audience, I will open up the, and this is the URL, askdavidmorgan.com. No commas, no, it's just one URL, askdavidmorgan.com. You'll see my smiling face. You give me a first name, and you can ask me an email, one question, and I will answer that for you. So that's a bonus just for being on the Ask the Expert. Hey, that's tremendous, David. Thank you. And I'm sure everybody listening, uh, if you had extra questions and you want to have them answered, what a great opportunity to go straight to David. Again, AskDavidMorgan.com? That's correct. All right, perfect. David, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure as well, Craig. Thank you. And from all of us here at Sprout Money News and SproutMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next month. 